I think Aaron has finally forgiven me for actually penalizing his team because I'm the one that caught them. But I was following the rules. Good luck with that. Father, we love you a lot. Thank We good? God, we love you a lot. I thank you for your word, and I thank you that you are a God who does amazing and miraculous things in our lives that helps us daily, not just some kind of thing we do on Sunday, but daily. And I ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, take something out of today and bring a new hope and a new perspective of what it means to walk with you regardless of the circumstances. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 8. You all know this verse, but turn and look at it anyway. Maybe you all don't know it, but most of you will recognize it once you get there. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. A more familiar translation might be the New American Standard Version that says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, one of the things that's, I think, perhaps good for us to remember is what this verse does not say. This verse does not say that God causes all things. Hello? For instance, God does not cause people to do hurtful things to other people. It's not God's will. God doesn't cause pain or challenge or loss. It's not part of his agenda. This verse does tell us that God works for the good of those who love him, even in the most difficult circumstances. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what stuff is going on in your life, God is working for good in that. He didn't cause it, but he works for good. When poor choices get made, God is continually working to redeem, to heal, to do good things, and to restore. God is always, I'm sorry, good is always God's will because God is only good. And we need to remember that because a lot of times to try to fit some kind of theological framework we've been given, we kind of hedge the things. God is in control of everything. No, he isn't. You get to pick. Hello? It isn't pre-established that you're going to make a stupid choice with your credit card limit. Thank you. Two people smiled. About 35 others probably should have smiled too. What I want to talk about today is how do we keep our hope and faith intact until we experience the good that God is doing. Now, what I mean by that is God says we're doing good things, even in the middle of difficult circumstances, but we aren't always experiencing that or can see that in the middle of circumstances. 
How do we keep our hope and our faith while the circumstances just look bad? If you don't get anything from today, here's the thing I want you to go home with. The only way to sustain hope during times of pain, challenge, or loss is to have God's integrity and character as the object of your faith. I know it's a little longer than what I usually do, but I couldn't make it any shorter and still make sense. The only way to sustain hope during times of pain, challenge, or loss is to have God's integrity and character to be the object of, your, of our hope. Now, I've shared previously, over the last four months, I've had a series of challenges the last little while, one on top of the next. I want to thank those of you who have come up and said, yeah, we're praying for you. We're, you have, we have you in our heart. Thank you so much. I'm sure part of my ability to walk through this is because of your prayers. I am grateful. I'm listing these again, not because I want to you know, say, wow, look at all the difficulties and challenges I've had. But I want you to know that I'm sharing what I'm going to share out of experience, not out of theory. You don't have to agree with this, but I just felt like I wanted to say it today. I believe that theology without the Holy Spirit experience is a wasted effort and a powerless declaration. I'll give you a little time to think about that again. I believe that theology without Holy Spirit experience is a wasted effort and a powerless declaration. I'm sharing with you today out of my experience, not out of the theory of something I read in the Bible. Many of you know, but you don't know all of this list. In the past four months... Mary's been in the hospital a bit over two months and has been unwell or slowly recovering in the other two. I've dealt with the renovation and sale of our townhome, the packing and storing of our household items, and the move into our present condominium. My brother-in-law died twice on the intensive care um, emergency table and was brought back to life. Two months later, he's still in intensive care. A couple of weeks ago, one of my very best friends, over 35 years I've known him, suddenly passed away from heart failure. Oh, yeah, and I had two surgical procedures for skin cancer. No cancer now. Now, why do I share that? Because there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, they have those things on the Internet where you can, like, take a test of stressors in your life. I, 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 hit, I hit max. This is the first time I think I've hit max in anything in my whole life. Why this? I don't know. And we know that God, in all things, works for the good of those who love him, and those who have been called according to his purpose. How do we maintain hope in the middle of circumstances when we cannot yet see God's goodness. What do I do? What do we do? Well, God's working for the good, but we can't experience the good of what God has promised is coming.
How do I maintain a hope that cannot be shaken by the circumstances of life? How do you keep hope? In the things that you're dealing with, changes that are coming, circumstances of life like sickness, things that come out of the blue, unexpected or unanticipated things, things that we know with certainty are not God's will, and yet here they are. How do we as a community do that? We were supposed to have moved by now. We thought the building was coming right away because, you know, God said to move, and here we sold it, and we're ready to go. And how do we keep hope that we are on track with where God wants us to be? How do we walk in hope? when we have not yet seen the good that God is working. Now, I've shared this previously. I'll probably share it again. There are basically two sources of where we get our hope. One is in the circumstances of life. We hope for outcomes or experiences. What does that mean to us? That our hope increases when we have the positive outcomes that we want. Our hope decreases when we don't get what we're looking for and hoping to have happen. For example, we hope that a broken relationship will be restored. Most often, in that circumstance, the object of our hope is a positive outcome in the relationship. It gets restored. That's what our hope is in. And if it gets restored, that's awesome, and we feel better and we're more hopeful, right? But what happens if it doesn't get better? It shatters, or it just continues along in that sort of weird disconnectedness that happens when you used to be tight, something happened, and now you're kind of like, oh, hi, how are you? Okay, yeah. What happens then to our hope? If our hope is fixed on the relationship getting better, and it doesn't, what's going to happen to our hope? It's going to decrease. Why does that matter? Because with hope, without hope, we will have a diminished faith. Because Hebrews 11.1 says, faith is being assured of what we hope for. If we don't have hope, we will not be assured enough to have faith. And if our faith diminishes, we will not be able to walk in Christian love. It takes a lot to forgive 70 times 7. It takes something beyond what we do on our own. But love drives off of faith, and faith drives off of hope. If our hope diminishes, our Christian walk will diminish. This matters to us. So is there another option? Can we find something that will not ever fluctuate up and down, that will remain constant all the time? And the good news is, yes, we can. You may smile. It's okay. We can have the object of our hope be God and the integrity of who he is and the goodness of who he is. That never changes. But see, what that requires of you and me is to say, I'm now not looking for my hope to be fixed on an outcome. And that's challenging for us. If my child never, ever gets their act together, 
And there's a lot of us that are waiting for our kids to get their act together. You don't have to say amen. You can say, oh, my, or God help us or something. We're waiting for that. So how do we keep our hope while they continue to make bad choices? Because our hope is not in the choice of our child. We want that to happen. We we desire that to happen. But hope isn't about that. Our hope is in God who says, I love your child more than you can ever love them. And I am doing everything possible. I'm coming to them at 3 in the morning when they can't go to sleep. And I'm going, hey, remember me? I can help you. God is bringing people into their lives to begin to speak to them in ways that maybe they wouldn't hear from us, wouldn't ever hear from because they don't want to go to church anymore or anything like that. God is involved in that. And so our faith rests on the hope. I'm sorry, the hope rests on God's integrity and God's goodness. If we're going to walk in biblical hope, we cannot base the hope on experiences and outcomes. And that's harder than it sounds. But the only option, if we don't have it in God, is that our faith will fluctuate and generally tend to go down. Oh, God, I prayed last week for my kid. And now I get this report. Oh, God, he just did this thing. Because we're basing our hope on an outcome rather than the consistency, the unchangeableness of who God is. See, when I'm going through all this stuff, yeah, I had some days that were not particularly thrilling. Okay, I had some really bad days. I go to see Mary in the hospital, then I go to the doctor, and he says, oh, you have skin cancer. That's kind of a bad one-two punch for the day. At that point, I have an option to say, Wow, my wife's not doing well. She's in the hospital. Now I just got the C word notification. And the emotional thing is bigger than the actual skin cancer. That's <laughs> Talk about an oxymoron. The best kind of cancer you can get is skin cancer. It's like, is that just one of the weirdest sentences you've ever heard in your life? It was for me. I'm going, okay, don't know how to compute that. We must have as our faith something that, or someone that is absolutely unchangeable. So I'm sitting here going, I get to pick now, what do I want to do? Do I want to respond to the messages I've just heard that goes, oh, she didn't get better, she got worse. And now I've got something that's like a curse. Oh, that was so poetic. I should, like, record that. That wasn't even in my notes that way because that little rhyming thing. We get to pick what we're going to do. Am I going to respond to the circumstances that just landed here, or am I going to put my hope in a God that is absolutely 100% good and committed to my absolute best for my life? And we pick. We can pull back from God, or we can get closer to God. We can blame God, or we can blame the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we get to pick. The only way to sustain hope during times of pain, challenge, or loss is to have God's integrity 
and character be the object of our hope. I've been seeing a counselor for about the last 12 years. I love going to a counselor. Most of my job is listening to all of you. I go to the counselor and he listens to me. I get to pick the subject. I get to decide what we're going to talk about. It's all mine for an hour. It's awesome. Everybody should have a counselor. Somebody in your life you can go to and they absolutely will listen to you. Talk about you, encourage you, speak into things in your life. So I've been going to the counselor for about 12 years. It's just for my well-being. I don't think I'm cracking up. I haven't been you know, twitching and doing weird things recently that I'm aware of. But just like we go to a, 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 a physical doctor who checks our body out, makes sure everything's okay, I go to a counselor to do a mental checkout. How am I doing? How am I processing with things? I started going as an outcome from when our son-in-law was killed in an auto accident in 2007. And I liked it so much, I continued to go. Eh, five, seven, something like that. The, the, these prophetic function people, they always got to get all these little details right. <laughs> as long as I'm saying truth, it's okay. Details. Thank you, baby. Since Mary's health issues have increased a lot of different um, changes in our life, I've been going every two weeks. And I like doing that. It's reassuring. No, I'm not cracking up, even if it feels like it. I'm, I'm okay. I said to my counselor, okay, Here's what I need from you in this season in my life with, with what's going on with Mary and now we're getting ready to move and all the stuff that goes with moving and renovating and changing and packing and getting rid of stuff. We lived in a place for 19 years. You collect a lot of stuff in 19 years. I want you, I'm saying this to my counselor, I want you to ask me a series of questions. You can vary them. I don't care how you do it, but I want you to ask some questions to find out if I'm okay in here. Because, you know, when we're in the middle of stuff, it's pretty hard to navigate. Am I doing okay? When all this stuff comes around. So we need people in our lives that we can talk to. If you don't have some people that are integrous. By the way, you don't go ask somebody who's dealing with the same stuff. Hello? You go talk to somebody who knows how to do it. Like when you're learning how to hear God's voice, you don't talk to somebody who knows the theory of hearing God's voice. You go talk to somebody who does it. Hello? If you're wanting to find out about your emotional well-being, you don't talk to someone else who's in the same kind of circumstances. You go find someone who's already been through that and knows how to ask the kind of questions you need in order to maintain health. So I say, I expect you to ask me these questions. To make sure I'm doing okay, because I want to be doing okay. Ask me about how I'm doing with Mary. Ask how I'm doing with all the things related to Mary that are impacting me. Ask me about how I'm doing in church, all the things that go on in, in, in my vocational job. Ask me about my other relationships. Make sure this is okay. And if it isn't, then we'll spend time talking about it. 
So he asked about different things, and he happened to ask about hope. He said, are you still hopeful for the future? And it's like this thing changes in me. I go, well, yeah, I'm still hopeful. Why would you even ask that? And he goes, he said, because most people, when they encounter stuff like you're encountering, lose hope. I go, no, hope's fine. I'm good. Because my hope is in God, not in these circumstances working out. Knowing it's her phone, it's probably heaven calling. Because that lady knows how to connect with God. So that was probably God going, hey, I want to chat for a minute. I got a few things in mind. Let's talk. I love having saints who walk with God for years and years and years to walk with. Okay, what was I talking about? So my counselor says, well, how did you switch so quick? And I said, because my hope isn't about what's going on. My hope is in God. God is going to do, he's going to cause everything to work together for good. He's going to take all this stuff that's going on and give me stories about what he's doing, going to have redemptive things that will happen because of all this, because God is absolutely good and he's absolutely committed to doing good in my life, even in the middle of circumstances. What do you do in the middle of the stuff? When somebody you're paying to navigate through your life says to you, are you still hopeful? What's been your answer? Remember, if hope diminishes, faith diminishes, because faith is the assurance of what we hope for. If faith diminishes, our capacity to walk in God's love and forgive and overcome and stand strong diminishes. Because love, biblical love, is too tall an order for me. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a reasonably good person, but forgive 70 times (sighs) 7 for the same thing? No, I want to smack you. <laughs> if, you're, if you need forgiveness more than about five or ten times, you better go find Sunil or some pastoral person because I'm probably going to try to do something different. I'm learning, though. I said ten times. When I started, it would have been about one. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? This issue of faith, which is what the church talks about a lot, drives off of hope. And if we haven't got hope figured out, the rest of the stuff is going to be diminished. It doesn't mean we've lost our relationship with God, but it's going to be diminished. My hope is in no way connected to her health. My hope is in no way connected to how I navigate through all of this stuff related to her health. My hope is in a God that is absolutely committed to who I am and to do good things in the middle of it. Even if I can't see it. Even if I haven't experienced it. 
I would suggest that hope is the plumb line of where we really are in our relationship with God. Do I trust you even here? Do I trust you even when the prayer I ask that I know is biblically your will and it doesn't happen? Who do I trust? Who do you trust? It doesn't take much faith when everything's going good. If we're, if we're followers of Jesus, everything's working out good, it's pretty easy. But when it doesn't go good, where is your hope? Because your hope will determine the substantiveness. Is that a word? Thank you. It will determine how solid your, your faith is. And your faith will determine the quality of the love expression of carrying God in you. This matters to us. So how does it work? This is my model of how I do it. There's plenty of other models. I give this to you as a prototype, perhaps, of how you may engage in this thing. It's so funny because Jeremiah it was one of my least favorite books in the Bible. I, I've had to repent from even saying that. God said to me one time, he said, you know, I really don't write bad books. I'm going, hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to rearrange a few things here, aren't I? Okay, Jeremiah is not a bad book. He speaks to me, life things to me, out of Jeremiah more than any other single book. I just think it's just weird the way God does that. I have four different life verses that came out of Jeremiah. I, th- that's more than any other book. God is just like, he must laugh sometimes at me. Isn't he so cute? Anyway, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven through 13 is the framework I use when I don't see or experience God working in my life to maintain my hope. Here's, here's the thing that I do. This is not the only way. This is kind of like a prototype, if you will. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to, bl- to give you plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. My starting place for maintaining hope in the middle of life's challenges is verse 11. My general dialogue kind of goes like this. I'm looking at the stuff around me, and it's not working well. Another week in the hospital. The renovations are running long. All the kind of stuff that goes on. God, you said your plans for me are to prosper me. I'm not seeing much prosperity. Right now, I choose to be grateful to you for all the ways you have prospered me. And then I start listing things that I'm grateful for. And I list them until I get it. Until I become, yes, 
I am being prospered by God. I can't feel it. It doesn't seem like it. I can't see it. I don't know the way out of here. But I am being prospered. Now, this is pretty easy to do in North America. We live in a standard of living at something higher than like 97% of the rest of the planet. So it's really not too hard for us to find things to be grateful for, to see that we're being prospered. But I do it until I can see God's prosperity in me and experience gratitude that he has indeed prospered me. What happens when, when that, what am I doing there? I'm changing my perspective from looking to my hope being in the thing that happens to who God is. That's the process of shift to say, I'm not looking at her and the things she's got going on and doing to her and how it impacts me. I'm saying, God, you are this, which never changes, which never goes away, which never alters in terms of your impact and your commitment to do good in me, regardless of the circumstances. You're good and you're fully committed to me. Second thing. God, you said your plans are not to harm me. Okay, God, I recognize and declare that Mary's illness is not from you. The skin's cancer is not from you. The house is not sold and I got no offers on the house is not part of your plan for me. I go on until I've listed everything that my little selfish, self-focused heart says, oh, poor me, and make a declaration. That is not from you, God. So I'm not aligning with that because my hope is in you, not the stuff. You with me? This isn't easy. I like doing a pity party. Oh, please, somebody laugh or smile or acknowledge that you do that too? I cannot be the only pagan here. I'm not a pagan. But I cannot be the only person who struggles with going, oh, poor me. This changes me from saying, oh, poor me, to, oh, my God, how good you are to me. When I actually call out all the stuff and says, this is not from you, this is not from you, this is not from you, this is not your intention, this is not your plan. God, I choose to align with you rather than all this stuff. Then I continue. God, your plan is to heal Mary. Your plan is that I never get skin cancer or any other cancer again for the rest of my life. Your your, your plan for me is that we sell our house at more than we asked for and that we move into our new place at an appropriate time. We moved in the day she got out of the um, rehabilitation hospital. I didn't take her home to the place where she couldn't walk up the stairs. I took her home. Okay, it's a little sketchy in terms of furniture, but, you know, I took her home to the place that had all one level. To her bed, which I made. What a good guy. (laughs) You're very prejudiced, but thank you. I go on until I have God's good intention for the issues in my life and... I experience his peace. We know we're sitting in God's hope when we have peace regardless of the circumstances. Anybody can get peace when God blesses you like crazy. 
The people you pray for get healed. You have favor at work. They give you a raise. All that kind of stuff. Anybody can do that. Okay, anybody can, but not everybody does. Some people complain no matter what. They'll go find something. But in general, it's easier to be positive when everything's going well. But can we find peace in the middle of circumstances that are very difficult? That's kind of the key. Have we actually figured out how to shift from hoping in circumstances to hoping in God? Is if we can get peace. So I keep declaring that. Here's your plan. Here's what it is. It isn't about talking God into it. Hello? He already has the good plan. It's about me coming into agreement with that. Because I want to go here and go have my pity party. And go, no, no, no. God, your plan is this. I can't see it, but it's coming because your word says it's coming. I don't you know, really have a joyous feeling right now because it's still kind of sad because my wife's still walking with a walker. And I'm glad she's walking with a walker because she couldn't do that for a fair part of the time. But that's not the end. So I'm still looking for something out here. And my hope is that God is doing a good work here beyond what I can see, experience, or feel. And it's okay. I have God's peace that he's working whether I see it or feel it because my hope is in the integrity of who he is. Last thing, God, you said your plan is to give me a hope and a future. Okay, here we are. My hope is only based on how amazing you are. What happens with Mary? I want things to happen, but my hope has nothing to do with whether Mary walks out of here with or without a rollator. My hope is only based on how amazing you are. You are so capable, God, of taking care of me, taking care of every situation, reversing things that the enemy has tried to steal and destroy. Your ability to do good things in me and for me right now and in the future. That's my hope. Because you are a God who is integrous and you will do what you say you're going to do. And when the enemy comes and he tries to steal, kill, and destroy, and we've all had that happen, you're bigger. You're going to somehow cause this thing to work together for good. I can't see how you're going to have something good come out of it. And yet how many times, even on, you know, secular TV and things, people will come on and they'll tell their stories on the Today Show or something, and they go, all these bad things happen, but here's what came out of it. The world even has an anticipation that there, there is good that can come out of difficult circumstances. Then why shouldn't we? I mean, we got the real deal. No situation is bigger than your ability to do good things in me and for me now in the future. And then I name specific things related to God's truth about my circumstance. We, we need to be specific because general things are hard to keep hold of. But God, you've got specific things you said you're going to do. God, you're going to be my peace when I'm in the car driving again to the 
storage locker to get more boxes out to take home that my wife, who does not feel well, is going to have to figure out how to sort through because most of them are her stuff with kitchen things and stuff. Man, you ladies have lots of kitchen stuff. And God, I'm tired, and I would really rather be doing something else. There is a promise you have for me as I'm riding in this car up Willowdale again to do this, that you're going to do something amazing through this for me because your plans for me are good. And I do it until I know in my heart the knower thing that we have in our heart, yes, God's going to do that for me. You can choose other verse or verses. Which ones you use doesn't matter as long as you end up with fixing your hope on God's integrity and character. Find what works for you. Now, in a minute, <laughs> when I get my hope fixed on God's integrity and character, the result is deeper relationship. Verse 12 says, I will call Excuse me, I will call and pray and God will answer me. Verse 13 says, I will seek God and I will find him. When we do this shift from hoping in things to hoping in God, the result is deeper relationship with God, more connectedness with him, hearing his voice, finding him in the middle of all these kind of circumstances. And relationship is the driver for everything we do as followers of Jesus. If we don't have relationship, let's all go home and watch the basketball game. We'll pray to the gods of basketball that the Raptors figure out how to shoot this game. Because if we don't have a relationship with God, we're no different than anybody else. It is the distinctive of who we are as followers of Jesus. And this verse promises that when we hope in God, we will have relationship with God. And it'll grow by the way, one other thing, hoping in God, there's a bunch of promises you'll really like. If you just do a search on hope in God, you're going to really like it a lot. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. How do we know God is working for good even during challenging times? Because we have hope and all the stuff that comes with hope. Hope. Don't leave home without it. It's better than an Amex card. Father, I thank you for each person here. I ask that you would take by the power of your spirit and do something that reignites a passion for your hope, a hope that is unshakable regardless of the circumstances, and that you will come in different times during this week and remind each one of us I can help you with this. I can give you hope even when you can't see it or feel it. God, I thank you that you are the God of hope. Everybody said? Amen. Go and have a hope-filled week.